Well, good morning, everybody. For those of you I do not know, my name is Mike. It's an honor to welcome you here to North Star for this fourth week in the series called Unshakable. We don't know in life when something's going to show up unannounced that we're unprepared for, and it's going to rock us, and it's going to shake us. It may be anxiety. It may be some things, some anxiousness that you're going through in life. Maybe that. It may be a uh, a time that you walk through of adversity. Maybe it's a health scare. Maybe it's something in your family. But there's some adversity that visits your home, and it shakes you to the core. It isn't a question of will it show up. It's a question of when it's going to show up, and how are we going to be prepared for it. And then there's times, like we walk, talked about last week, that tragedy shows up at our door. How many of y'all enjoyed the Barrick family? Did you enjoy them last week? Weren't they amazing? Had so many emails about that this week. And, and tragedy showed up in their life, unannounced, just another night, going out to grab food, to head home with some friends, and their world, in fact, they were, we didn't talk about this last week, but they were in Atlanta last week to visit her brain doctor, and they were there for the week. She's still working on um, her memory and, and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's tragedy. Paul didn't want this church, nor did he want us, to feel like, well, nobody else has ever felt this before. Nobody else has ever gone through this before. If you got your Bibles this morning, I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. If you got your North Star Church app, uh, North Star Church George, you can look it up, download it. It, it will be, uh, all the notes are in there. You also have uh, your Bible or your phone, you can look up the verse. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Paul's writing this letter to the church at Corinth. Here's why he wrote them. He wrote them because he knew that they were going to experience things they didn't see coming. They're new believers. They're new to the faith. They're all excited about what God's doing. They're all excited about what God's up to. And he knew, Paul knew, they were going to create some waves and they were going to face some things. He knew that this whole gospel, see the guy writing this was a guy originally named Saul. Saul wasn't a good guy. Saul was a bad guy. Saul has a major conversion experience, and then he goes on the path of planting churches, sharing the gospel, making a difference. And he wanted these new believers who were a little starry-eyed about their faith to understand not everybody's going to like it that you're a follower of Jesus. See, we know people now as Christians. Back then they were known as people of the way, meaning they have chosen to follow the way. Jesus said he was the way, the truth, and life. They've set themselves apart. And he writes these words to them. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 7. He said, but we have this treasure in jars of clay, meaning that it's not, um, it, it's, it's destructible. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show the surpassing power belongs to God and not to who? This story isn't about you. If you think this whole life's about you, you've missed all of the gospel. Jesus did not leave you here for you. He left you here for him. Paul is wanting this church to know, yeah, you're a destructible, perishable existence. You're in jars of clay. 
but he left you in that to show that the surpassing power belongs to God, not to us. He can do more through you than you can ever accomplish with your own life by itself. And he went, kept writing, and he said this, we're afflicted in every way, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but not driven to, what's the word there? See, despair comes when we think there's no hope. Despair comes when we go, I don't see a reason for this. I don't understand this. I don't know why I'm going through this. That creates despair. But when we know there's a bigger story at play, we don't have to be in despair because we know that God is up to something. It really is like we're in this massive, massive story being written across the ages. Everybody look at me. And God wrote you into the script. He wrote you in. You got a piece of the story. Don't let it drive you to despair because God is up to something. And then he goes on and he says this. We're afflicted in every way and then we're persecuted, but we're not forsaken. We're struck down, but not destroyed. It's interesting you hit this with him because he wanted them to understand not everybody's going to like that you're a believer. Not everybody's going to give you a pat on the back and give you an attaboy that you say, hey, I am now a follower of Jesus Christ. People aren't going to line up and go, well, that is awesome. Congratulations. He wanted them to know that they were going to face persecution, and they did face persecution. He wanted them to understand that this faith may cost them something. So you go, all right, we live in America. We live in Kennesaw, Akron, Georgia. What does it mean to be persecuted? What does that even mean? So write down a couple things. Ready? Pen, pencil, something to write with her. You got your phone. You can type it in. Here's types of persecution. Number one, maybe people avoid us. Maybe people avoid you. You know, you, you used to live one way. This is sort of the North Star story. Let me fill you in on the North Star story. I used to be like this, and man, I just, life had a hard time, and I started coming back to church, and I changed. Now I live like this. Well, maybe not all your friends line up with you living differently than they do, and they may avoid you. They may go do things and not ask you to come. They may have conversations about things you don't need to be involved in and you're not privy to. People may avoid you. They may avoid you because you smell. I don't know. but Or they just may avoid you because, or they don't like you. But many times they may avoid you because your new faith walk and them doesn't line up. But people may avoid you. You know, that was hard growing up. But you know when it was even harder, it was harder watching that happen to my children. It was harder watching them not fit in relationships because, maybe because of what I do. Sometimes that's a persecution, but, but people may avoid us. But then it goes a little level deeper. Sometimes people will accuse us. Sometimes people will accuse us. Um, I was talking to a young sales guy here. See, I, I got an easy job. My, my job is to pastor. So I hang out in an office all week with people that believe like I do, all right? If they work on a church staff and don't believe like I do, that would be bad, all right? And so they all believe like me and they all think the same things as me. It's a pretty easy environment. That's not that way for many of you that go into the workplace and you go into places. And he was facing the dilemma of every guy on his sales team 
every guy on his sales team when they traveled they would go to a strip club at the end of the evening with clients and he didn't know what to do and when he chose to not go and go back to his hotel you think you're better than us you think you're a better Christian than us or your faith's different than us and that's accusing I mean it's what that is Many of you may be on a college team and, and one group on the team goes this way and you choose not to go that way. Well, you just think you're better than us. The words in our society that are used are bigoted, homophobe, because, oh, well, this is what I think God teaches. Well, you just think, you think, you think you're, you think because of what you believe you're better. That, that's accusing. That's what that may look like in our society. You may have been through that before. But... You go, is it worth it? Well, yeah, it's worth it. And in fact, it shouldn't be a surprise. Number three, sometimes people will abuse us. We don't, we don't see that as much in our world, in the world we live in. We live in a bubble here. I believe, I believe, let's see if y'all agree with me. I believe we live in the two greatest communities in America in Kennesaw and Ackworth. Do y'all agree with that? This place is unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Y'all give the Lord a hand. It's unbelievable to live here. It's unbelievable. Friday nights, I stand in front of a high school football team and do a message just like I do on Sunday mornings. And that's not just the high school I'm at. That's high schools all over our community. It's crazy. Where does that happen? But that's not normal. This is nuts. So we know what we know, and you don't even hear this in the media a lot. Last week, there were 80 people killed for their faith in Nigeria. 80, last week. Between 2005 and 2015, 900,000 Christians were martyred for their faith across the world. 900,000, 90,000 a year lost their faith because they said, I'll follow Jesus. We don't see that here. Now, we may one day, but we don't see it now. But God says, I want you to be prepared. Jesus talks about it. Paul talks about it. So whether it's just being avoided, maybe it's being accused, maybe it's being abused, what do we do? What do you and I do when we walk through that season? How do I respond to it? How do I respond with my faith? to situations like that. How do we need to be preparing our kids for situations? Ready? Number one, pray for those who are against me. Pray for those who are against me. All right, time out. That sounds like the right thing to say on Sunday morning, but how many of y'all would agree that is really hard to do? Raise your hand. It's really hard to do. Because when somebody is against us, we want to come against them. We want to come back at them. Look at what Paul said in Romans. Bless those, get this now, bless those who what you? What does he say? Bless and do not curse them. Repay no evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. So, let's think about this for a second. If Jesus left us here, we come to know him and he left us here. 
What did he leave us here for? And I want you to write this under number one. He left us here to look like him. So the question isn't, what do you want to do? The question is, what would Jesus do? That really is the question. It's not what comes natural for you. It does not, this doesn't come natural to me. It doesn't come natural to you. This is, a, this is an anti-world deal here. Pray for those who are against me. Mike, that doesn't seem right. I completely agree, but it isn't about me. If I respond back the way everybody else responds back, they don't see Jesus. They only see Jesus when my response is opposite of what the world would respond. What sometimes we go, well, I never go through that. Nobody ever knows about my faith. Which makes you ask the question, why? Why would somebody not know your faith? Why would they not know you're a believer? Ladies and gentlemen, we live in a dark world. It doesn't take a lot to shine light in a dark place. Now, in a room like this, it's bright. We put a light on, you don't even see it. But when the room is dark and the light's lit up, you know it. Pray for those who persecute you. And look at what Jesus said, Luke, 20, Luke 23. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do, and they cast lots to divide his garments. That was at the cross. I remember one other story, Matthew 5, 41. Back during that time, a Roman soldier could walk up to a Jew and say this, I want you to carry my bag a mile. You know, what the, you know what the Jew had to do? He had to take that guy's bag, and for literally one mile, he had to walk his bag. This is before Uber. All right? And so he had to walk his bag, and he carried it one mile, and then his obligation was over. You know what Jesus said? When somebody walks up to you and asks you to carry their bag a mile, carry it too. Don't look like everybody else. Don't respond like everybody else. I want them to know there's something different about you. We're jars of clay to show the surpassing greatness. Number two, believe God will eventually make things right. Believe that God will eventually make things right. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Here's the hardest part of that whole deal. God's timetable and your timetable are not the same. Have y'all found that to be true? If God would consult me, I could speed things up a little bit, but he does not. He doesn't operate like I want him to. He doesn't come through like I want him to. He doesn't show up like I want him to. And there's gonna be times it looks like those who hurt you or persecuted you got off scot-free. That's not your deal. That's God's deal. Now, I don't recommend quoting that to them, all right, going, vengeance is God's. All right, that's probably not going to help build a relationship. But just know that God's got it. He said he's got it. What retribution did Jesus have that those were gathered around the cross? None. He forgave them. All over this world, you're watching this happen. And Jesus is telling a greater story. He's telling a greater story than the one that you and I see. Number three, imitate Jesus by doing good in return. Whew. 
where push comes to shove, doesn't it? So if I'm going to imitate Jesus, I've got to do good in return for their bad. Look at the way Paul said it. To the contrary, if your enemy's hungry, what should you do? Help me out. If your enemy's hungry, what should you do? If he's thirsty, what should you do? By doing so, you'll heap burning coals on his head. Do not overcome evil. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with what? That's hard to do. That's hard to do. I remember a few years ago, it was in the early 2000s. We went through a real tough season here that happens, right? And y'all are going to find this. This is shocking. I know this is going to really surprise you. There was somebody who went here that didn't like me very much. Can y'all believe that? I mean, that's unbelievable, isn't it? He didn't like me at all. I'm talking like not in the least. And so, I mean, it was, it was a tense situation. We had a very tough conversation. I remember where it was. I remember, like, I remember the time we met. I remember I don't like conflict at all. But it was a very tense deal very tense and I, I figured I wasn't gonna be getting any more Christmas cards from him and all those kind of things and so it wasn't two weeks later I saw him at a local ball field and our kids were little it's a long time ago our kids were little guys and I saw him across the way at the ball field and I remember thinking if I avoid him now I'll always avoid him and I remember walking across the path putting my arm around his shoulder and asking how he was doing and how his family was doing. And it was the last place I wanted to be. And I was like, my hand is so close to his neck. I could, I just reach right there. This would go really well. Before God, he knows that's true. All right, and so, but you know what? Why does God want us to do that? Because when we don't, it doesn't hurt them, it hurts us. Is our world full of evil, yes or no? So we have two options here at North Star. I got an option of standing on a soapbox every weekend, and every weekend we could pick out a different evil, right? I mean, I could just name something. We could pick it out, and we could rant and rave and preach and spit and, and all kinds of stuff about that evil. And guess what? That evil ain't going nowhere. Or we could overcome evil by doing good. Forgiving, loving, praying for for some of us it's our kids do you know it's harder to be a Christian student now than it's ever been Mike I graduated in 1990 and it was hard that it was but you was on a rotary phone all right and so it's a little different now right your girlfriend went out with somebody and you found out about it a week later now it pops up on your phone in a relationship oh that's nice right it's a different world that's why student ministry is such a big deal here because it isn't easy to watch your kids hurt and to watch them not fit in because of their faith. You don't want them to feel alone. I want everybody to look at me. If you live for Jesus, you're not always going to fit in this world. You can have friends, but it ain't going to be like it could have been. I remember Casey, <laughs> I told the story last service. Casey was a little guy probably elementary school and you remember when Guitar Hero came out everybody remember Guitar Hero it sort of came and went but Guitar Hero came out and he was really struggling I don't think it was around middle school age he was really struggling to fit in with some friends and middle school years are hard 
They're just hard years. In fact, we figured out the only people who really like middle school are bullies. All right, they're the only people. Everybody else is just sort of weird. It's just sort of a weird time. And so uh, Guitar Hero comes out, and we'd gone over to the house. It was out of our neighborhood. We drove over to the house. Some friends had gathered, and they were playing Guitar Hero. And it was a group of guys he really wasn't fitting with at school. He just never clicked with anybody in middle school. And so I remember we're there, sort of protective helicopter, you know, just checking things out, parents. Now, y'all would never do this, but we did. And so we're helicoptering around, and I actually became an attack helicopter at times. But anyways, so we're, we're helicoptering around, checking things out. And we look, and we've never seen Guitar Hero. I don't even know what it is. Guitar Hero. And there's a character on Guitar Hero named Casey Lynch. Except it's L-Y-N-C-H, and it's a female. So we saw that, and Anne thought, I, I didn't see it was a female. Anne thought they had created that character to make fun of Casey. And we came home, and she cried and cried and cried. And then we found out that it was a character on Guitar Hero, and I laughed, and then I was in trouble, all right? And so that sort of persecution came to the house. But I remember that hurt we felt as parents, thinking our child was isolated. Y'all been, you've been there. A lot of y'all have been 10 times worse than that. Why does God tell us this through Paul? Everybody look at me. Because he called us not to live our life. He called us to live his he called us to shine Jesus wherever we are with whoever we're with. Well, Mike, nobody on my team knows I live for Jesus. Why? Why do they not know that? How can they not know that? I don't, I don't think you ever have to say a word. I think your life should look so differently. Tim Tebow is a perfect example, right? And that, what did that guy ever say? Everybody's got to follow after him? No, no, no. He just lived his life differently. And it was like the world came against him and ostracize him from the NFL. Well, Mike, he wasn't the greatest quarterback. Tell it to his face. He's a big old dude, all right? If, if he was here, I'd go, Hall of Fame, man. He should have been in the Hall of Fame. He's a huge guy. But he got ostracized for his faith. We don't know that that's not gonna happen to us. But here's the question. When and if it does, you living for you or you living for Jesus? Which one? If we wanna make a mark in this world, the darker it gets, the brighter we get. And that's the call he put on us. Would you pray with me? Father, today we, uh, <laughs> this is not a fun one to talk about. And God, I, my understanding of persecution is pretty limited. I, I've had a pretty easy life. Felt left out a few times and probably picked on a few times and know that I didn't fit into some groups a few times. But God, I've never felt at risk for my faith. But God, somewhere in the world right now, somebody does. There's somebody being baptized somewhere in this world that the minute they come out of that water, they're on a hit list because now they claim to be a follower of Jesus. God, I pray you encourage them this morning. God, I pray that our faith's unshakable. God, when we walk through that season, which we will, God, may we not let it rattle us, but God, may we let it grow us. God, may we know, oh, so that's what he said it was going to happen. And God, may our faith that we are living out in these jars of clay, some of us are going, man, I'm the last person God should want to use. Yeah, so am I. But yet he chooses to use us. 
God, may we live out our faith to the very best of our ability and be the people that you called us to be. It's in Jesus' name that I pray.